So the scripture we are going to read from right now is Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. And that's been kind of the core uh, scripture that we've been looking at and basing the sermons off of um, for this little part. And I'll just start. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have tied for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, I'm going to pray one more time before we get into this. Um, There's a lot to get in, but basically what we're going to be talking tonight is edifying the church and what that means, the word, and then who Jesus is in relation to that. Let's pray one more time. God, thank you again for your word. I pray, Lord, that we can just learn exactly the points that you put on my heart for this, Lord. And I pray that at the end of this, we know how to encourage each other closer to you in Christ. Amen. Okay, so edifying the church. Um, The reason we're talking about this is because, Justin, is because um, the two topics we wanted to hit is why we're called Hope's Anchor, and then beyond that, what Calvary's mission statement is, and that is upreach, inreach, and outreach. Um, Last week, Scott covered upreach and what that means, and he kind of dabbled into this week as well, but upreach is basically the act of us worshiping God. It is our relationship personally, on a personal level, one-on-one with God. And then after that, inreach means to edify the church, to build each other up as Christians and believers in the same family. And then outreach after that is where all of us as a family go out and create new believers. And then the cycle restarts. And that's how a church grows. That's how the kingdom expands. So tonight, um, inreach is the topic. What inreach means is edifying the church. And if you don't know what edifying means, it just means to build each other up in Christ. So why do we do that? Why do we need to build each other up in Christ? Um, I think that as Christians, it is really easy for us to get extremely discouraged. Um, And when we're discouraged, we tend to wander. And then the farther we wander, the more discouraged we get. And then we get scared. And then we get scared to turn back to the Lord. And then a whole number of messy things can happen because we're sheep and we wander and we struggle. Jesus is our shepherd. Um, But... I'll just give you a story. This weekend, some of you know I went to Dallas for a two-day hardcore festival, which (laughs) is ridiculous, but there are a bunch of bands that I wanted to see that haven't been together really since I've been like 14, 15, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're reuniting. I felt like a dad. Like, I felt like my dad, like, yeah, let's go see Journey. Like, oh my gosh, last tour. But it was, this time it was like Under Oath and the Devil Wears Prada and other bands like that. If you're not familiar, then whatever. But, um... These are some gnarly bands. And when I was younger, they claimed to be Christians, which is really awesome. But um, going to this show, I was super hesitant. I really, I got to be honest with you guys, I was super convicted before I left because I really didn't pray about if I should have gone to the show or not. 
I didn't even think about it. My buddy just bought me a ticket, and I was like, okay, let's do it. And then the, the, the day finally came, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to leave my wife at home for four days. I have like close to no money. We're barely going to make rent, and I really don't want to go to Texas. Why would I want to go to Texas? Why can't I just see the, the bands are playing in Portland? I could have flown for the same price and just gone, or San Diego they're even playing soon. And I was really dumb about it, but whatever. So... Um, as I'm thinking this, I'm driving away in my buddy's car with his dad, basically like out the window. I'm staring at my house as I drive away like a puppy, like, no. <laughs> and so I'm on my way to this place and my dad calls me and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he knows I'm kind of sensitive. So I'm like, I'm just really scared, dad. Like, I really don't want to leave Rachel at home. I'm a baby guys, so whatever. So I was like, I really don't want to leave Rachel at home. Like I'm going to miss her so much. Oh my gosh. And I texted Aaron and, <laughs> and like we shared stories about how hard it is to travel away from your wife. Side note. Anyways. Um, so we finally make it to Dallas and I'm like, at this time I got some kind of weird stomach bug. So my stomach is cramping. Like I can't eat anything. I have a gluten intolerancy. And so everything in Texas is made of wheat and fried twice. And like, I haven't seen a single person that weighs less than 350 pounds. Like it was just the weirdest place I've ever been. And I had like four hours of sleep. So I'm just like scared, frustrated, lonely. And there's like, weird fat food around that I can't eat. And so I'm just like hungry and <laughs> shaky. We finally get to our hotel and my friend's dad promised like, this is going to be a sick hotel. Like he, he's, he's like a retired captain, a firefighter. So I was like, this is gonna be legit. Like we're gonna be staying like in a palace. We get there and like, I swear it's like, <laughs> there's like gunshots and like the paint's all faded. The carpet is weird. Like it just smelled like sin. And so, <laughs> And so we finally get there. I'm like, oh, I don't even care. I'm just going to crawl into the bed and pass out for a few hours. So this is, this is where I'm at. And I haven't even gone to the show yet. And so the next morning we wake up, we eat jack-in-the-box tacos for breakfast because those don't have gluten and they're cheap. And so I was like, okay. And so I'm getting weird from the jack-in-the-box tacos. We get to the show and I look around and everyone there is someone that needs Jesus, but I feel like I'm the only Christian there. Like, I seriously, like everyone there, like literally, like one kid had like a bone through his nose and like this one kid, I, I'm not kidding, like it was so sad. Like some of them had shirts that said like, I don't need a bleeping savior and stuff like that. These are the kids and adults that I'm around now and there's thousands of them. And I show up in like a bright blue hoodie with a backpack with my Bible in it, scared to death, knees shaking, right? My friend who traveled with me is a Christian, but he's kind of a new believer. And he's not, like, super sensitive to that stuff. He's still kind of like, you know, he's, he's there, but he's not necessarily aware of how I'm doing. I'm, like, all scared and shaky, and I know, like, this is a bad place to be. I need to leave. This is a bad place to be. Lo and behold, I'm here. We made it through. But in that travel, I learned it is so easy to get scared and rattled. And without a constant draw and, and communion with the Lord, our hearts can grow cold quick and scared quick and distant quick and questioning really quick. Um, I'm going to keep setting my notes down because this podium is too small for me, but I have to get these out. So um, I was really discouraged and I thought about this because I, I, I have to teach on inReach tonight and this whole weekend I struggled miserably with the entire concept and I had practically no time to study, but it was cool because God took me through a season where he showed me how important it is to be around fellow believers. We are the light of the world. We are called to a mission field. We are supposed to go out and make new believers. But if we're not around other believers at that time, things can get really hard, really fast. And so I was thinking about how God pulls us through these seasons. And 
there's some practical ways to do this. And, and this is all going to tie into edifying the church and what we should do for each other. But number one, we need to know the word. This is the first point. If you want to write it down, it's fine. If you want to try to remember it, that's cool. That's what I do. So um, the word. Why is the word so important? Why, why, why in every sermon does it seem like everyone emphasizes it so much? Does anyone know? It's a church answer. It's really easy. Why is the word so important? The Bible. Huh? No, it's not. It's the word of God. But why is that important? That's how we talk to it sometimes. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. Those are all correct. But the answer I was mostly looking for, it was kind of a trick question, yeah. Uh, you guys wouldn't have gotten it because I have it down on my notes and whatever. But so the reason why the word of God is so important is because it's where we draw all of our truth from. S- spiritual warfare, debates, um, attacks on the faith, everything like that is going to come down to a simple battle between what is truth and what is lie. It, that's, that's every single argument you're ever going to encounter. So if we don't have a basis for our faith, if we don't draw from something, then we're just a bunch of wanderers kind of like walking around claiming to be a Christian, but we don't even know the, 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 the ordinances or the commands or the rules or the sometimes borders or what our prerogative is to how to operate. We don't have a user manual without this Bible. And if you don't read your Bible daily, there's no way that you're going to actually be a functional 100% really, really, really crushing it for the Lord. There's just no way. There's absolutely no way apart from reading your Bible on a semi-regular basis at least, at least learning from it daily if you can. There's just no way you'll succeed. You'll flounder. This is oxygen to the Christian. This is exactly primarily how God is going to talk to us. I wish all the time that God could talk to us through an audible voice whenever we need him. But most of the time, we only pray when the storm hits. We've built no shelter, and we're just out in the middle of nowhere, and we're like, okay, I guess now we'll pray. And we don't know the word, so we have nothing to rely on, nothing to glean from. And so that's when we start calling our pastors, calling our friends, calling our parents, and begging for help. But we don't do that in our daily. So by the time we get to these trials that are inevitable, we have nothing to draw from. And then now, if you go back to my story, I'm on day one of this trip, or day one of the concert, sorry. And the only thing I have to rely on, because my buddy is so drawn into this music, is stuff that I remember from this word. Because no one there, no one there, trust me, no one there was a Christian or at least open about it. And I'll be the first to admit, I was not going to be open about it there. Like, it was scary. Like, it was, I can't, I just, I don't, I wish I could erase some of the things I've seen and, and heard at that concert. It was so brutal. And, um... And without the word, we're going to start dying. We're going to start listening to lies. We're going to start believing what the enemy wants us to believe and become useless on the mission field. So that's, that was that first point. Um, and if you want evidence, it's in 2 Timothy um, 3, 16 through 17. Um, I'll turn to it and read it real quick. And this is just defending the word of God and what it's for. Um, Paul is writing to Timothy at the time. He's a young pastor. He's kind of scared out of his mind. But Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay. That is super important. If we're not, and this is the last time I'll harp on it, but if we're not in our word, we are absolutely going to just struggle daily in a way that we're not designed to. The Lord wants us to be in this. This is his love letter to us. It is so important. And if you learn to read every book, even the Old Testament, I'm going through a study right now through the Old Testament that started off being so boring. 
It was so boring. How many times they're going to sacrifice a sheep and repeat it to me in the same way? I can't even tell you. But when you learn to read it through the lens of why it's necessary, how Jesus fulfilled it, and, and what we can learn from it, it becomes incredible. There's, just, there's practical ways to study your Bible. And ask your leaders, ask one of us how we study our word, and we can tell you. We can tell you how to do it so it becomes more fresh, more vivid, more real, um, things like that. So moving on, um, the, the next way God can pull us through, through these seasons of feeling um, uh, unanchored um, is other people. God uses other people um, to speak to people. That's the way he, a lot of the time, will talk to us too. For instance, as I'm driving away, I told you guys I texted Aaron. Aaron immediately started praying for me, and then I know that when he was praying for me, he was doing. He was interceding for me. It wasn't just me praying for myself anymore. Now, now I have a community. Now all of a sudden there's another brother holding me up, and I know that I have a support system. I'm not alone. And my wife was praying for me, and my dad was praying for me. And the more people I reached out to, the more all of a sudden I had this community effort behind me. Even though I couldn't see and it was invisible, I knew that there was a community pushing me forward into this. I knew that I had help. And so um, one of the ways that God talks to me a lot in particular is through my wife. And that can be really cool sometimes and really humbling other times. And I love it. Um, We can't always see what the Lord um, is doing in our lives completely. We can't always see exactly how far we've grown or where we're slipping up. It's really hard to look at ourselves correctly sometimes. And the people closest to in our lives, and that would be, I know you guys aren't married, but that's going to be your parents. And if you don't have that, that's going to be your closest friend. I guarantee you there's someone in your life. If you don't have either of those things, I'm guaranteeing you there's someone in your life that is close enough to tell you where you're at and to have a conversation with you and to let you know. The dangerous part of that is that if you're not surrounded by a Christian community, um, and more so back to the word, a, a community that's not based on the word, you're going to start hearing weird things. You're going to start hearing encouragements that aren't necessarily true. Um, I was talking to my friend's dad, and this was towards the end of the trip. As he's driving home, we're like finally hitting like the casino areas of San Diego, and so I know we're almost there. And he starts kind of opening up, and I tell him that I'm actually doing that Old Testament study. And he's like, oh, sheesh, really? That's crazy. Like, you're in Deuteronomy? That sounds really boring. And I was like, it, it, it is, but, you know, it's... It's pretty awesome, too, because it's just cool, like, learning from the children of Israel and where they struggled and seeing myself in that. And he's like, and, and the way he took it was any time I was honest with myself and I was like, yeah, you know, I just stumble a lot in this area. I just struggle. He doesn't really read the word that often. He's legit. Like, I love the guy, but he doesn't read the word that often. So I'd get advice like this. Oh, Dylan, you're, you're a good person. Like, don't even worry about it. No, you're fine. Like, come on. Like, you're not going to... Literally, and, or like from, from family members who really mean well and really mean a lot to me that I really love, sometimes you'll get this weird encouragement that's just totally not true. It's just not. And, and ultimately, if it's not full truth, it is a partial lie, and that partial lie will take you so far from the Lord and so far from his heart from you that you'll never receive the full benefit. So it's always going to lead back to the word. Anytime we're built up, it's always going to have to come back to, is it in the Bible or not? Because if it's not in the Bible, I'm telling you guys, it is trash, throw it away. It is just trash. It'll ruin your life. And if you don't trust me tonight, you're going to eventually learn it for yourself on your own. And I know that's scary sounding. There, is, there are some solid people in your life that aren't necessarily Christians, I'm sure, that really care about you and really love you and really want to do their best. But even if you're younger, we're called to respectfully just say, okay, 
I love you, thank you, but my Bible says this. I follow Christ first. Okay? It is super important. I'm not saying be disrespectful in no way ever should we be disrespectful to defend our faith. But you need to know where you're grounded and you need to know what God says about you first before other people start speaking in your life. So God uses people to talk to people, but primarily he's going to use the believer to talk to the believer. Sometimes I've been humbled and I've had a weird conversation and like, yeah, like the barista at Starbucks would be like, sometimes you just got to live vulnerably, you know? And I'll be like, whoa, all right, cool. That's, I, I was praying about that this morning. That's really gnarly. Like that person doesn't even know they were used by God. And I'm sure you guys have encountered that before. But 99.9% of the time, God is going to use solid believers to talk to you because he wants you to know the truth and not a lie. He wants you to grow closer to him. He is truth. All right. So the next way, um, <laughs> the next way the church is going to be edified is just actually understanding what it means to build each other up in Christ. Um, that's like a weird term sometimes that I think Christians can throw around really easily. Like, you know, um, I love you like a brother in Christ. Like we say it like at the end of everything, it's kind of like an amen or whatever. Or like when we, at the beginning of a prayer, we always act like we're writing a letter. We're like, dear God, like what? <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, why are we saying dear? Like, I, I get that there's habits, um, but if, if Christ is the all in all in our faith, everything has to be pointing back to him. And this word, this Bible, is always going to point back to him. I'm telling you guys. That took me a long time to understand. It took me a long time to understand that Jesus is the actual fulfillment of everything God has ever uh, uh, had planned. He is the fulfillment of everything. He is the absolute ultimate fulfillment of everything. That's actually what Hebrews is really talking about. Um, Paul is writing to a group of uh, Hebrew people who are tending to lead back towards into the legalism, back into Judaism, back into sacrificing. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Christ is a better priest. He is the ultimate high priest. He is everything. He's our mediator. He's who tears that veil and mediates between man and God. He's fulfilled it perfectly. And by faith, we're saved. We believe in him and we inherit all that blessing. And so... Um, as you read your word and as you're around more believers, you'll start hearing more and more, if you haven't already, everyone brings it back to Jesus. And if they don't bring it back to Jesus, be careful. Be careful because he's, he's all we really have. Without Jesus, this faith is completely and utterly useless. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is everything we're looking forward to. He's not just the get out of jail free card and he's not just a name that we say during prayer. And for a while, that's who he was for me. It, 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 I had to come to a scary conclusion where I had to decide, am, is my faith based off of fear or love? And I know this is a side note, but it's so important because you should have believers around you whether it's friends, family, or even just us here, if this is your only taste of, of, of Christianity during your week, we should always be pointing you back to the love of Christ that he has for us. Because without his love for us, we can't love him. It's the number one relationship that we're going to have for eternity. It's the only reason we're here. It's the only reason why we have grown adults that show up to hang out with high schoolers. You guys are rad. It's really fun. But what separates us from the Boys and Girls Club? What separates us from an after-school program? What separates us? Why do we travel for a week with you guys to go to whatever camp? Why do we do weekend events? Why? do we? Why? It's not for fun. It can be fun. It can be really fun, but it's not for fun. <laughs> why do we do it? Why do your parents come to the church? 
Why were you raised with a Bible in the house? Why? Ask that question. It's because someone in your family loves Jesus. And that's because Jesus reached down at one point and told them, I love you. And they gave their entire life to them. And that love relationship started an incredible thing in their family. And that's why you guys are here. That's why each and every one of you are here. And now it's going to come to a point where throughout your life, you're going to have to come to the decision, am I religiously following this out of fear? If so, talk to one of us. I've been there. Aaron's mentioned that he's been there. I know every true believer has wrestled with this idea of, do I love Jesus or do I just kind of, am I just kind of just scared? Do I just show up? Do I, is this a requirement? But this is what the church does. We build each other up in Christ because Christ is everything. This world's going to bye-bye. It's going to be gone. Our, everything's going to be gone. And th- this is scary, but it's, it's just, it's true. And, and Jesus loves us so much currently. He didn't just love us. And we're not just going to randomly see him in heaven and say thanks. I mean, he loves us personally right now where we're at. And this is convicting to me. Because I struggle with believing this. And so many times this weekend, I had to call my wife. I'm not kidding right now. Make fun of me if you want. But I had to call her in tears, scared. Scared out of my mind. Because there's people walking around. There's the bands that I said that were Christians when I was growing up. And they strayed from the word. And they're telling these kids at these concerts things that just aren't true about God. Things that aren't true about Jesus at all. And, and people are being lied to. And so I know it's kind of gnarly, but, but for me personally, this is life or death. Because that's what the Bible says it is. It's life or death. There's, there's life in Christ and there's death apart from anything else. You can be as good or as bad as you want. It doesn't matter until you put your faith in Jesus and your reliance and all your trust. And you lay down your religion. And this is a daily practice for a lot of us. But we have to put down everything and pick up our cross and go towards him. Once we put our faith in him, we're safe. And, and that's life. But... All too often, Christians can stray from the word and get really warped and really confused, and that's a scary place to be. So the church is meant to hold each other up, put an arm around each other, and say, no, 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 I I see where you're struggling. I see where you're struggling. Let me tell you how Jesus can fulfill this part. Oh, you feel abandonment right now. Jesus is with you. I promise he's with you. Let's pray for that right now. Oh, you feel scared and lonely. That's how I felt, and Rachel had to pray for me. Oh, you feel like... I've done so many wrong things. I've lost my salvation. There's no way I could be saved now. No, you already were saved. You already put your faith in him. Just repent. He loves you. That's a lie from the enemy. And if you know your word, if you start growing in your word, those battles are still going to happen and they might even amplify to push you away. But push through. Because in this is life. I'm telling you guys, this is the only way the church can be built up. I'm absolutely convinced that apart from the Bible, nothing real will ever get done. We'll just be a bunch of morally kind of decent people with humanitarian projects that are good, but they aren't life-changing eternally. Um, I guess I'll end with this story. Um, The story ends with, I was really depressed because the biggest band there that was headlining that claimed to be Christians my entire upbringing, they released a video a couple months ago telling me, telling us, me, I took it very personally, <laughs> telling us um, why they don't call themselves a Christian band anymore. And honestly, it was a crock. It was dumb. It was the stupidest thing I've watched, but I had to listen to it. And they were like, you know, I feel like 
Christians have given uh, Christianity a bad name, and we play a lot of venues that are very secular, and it sounded good. It, like, it sounded like a logical kind of like, I love everyone argument kind of thing. Like, no, like we don't want to be labeled Christians because we want to reach more people. That's just trash. It's nonsense. And so they get up on stage, and there's this song that they have. They're a hardcore band, remember this. And there's this song that starts off slow, and at the very end it drops, and they start proclaiming Jesus' name. And it's gnarly. Like, this dude's in the background, like, and it's, like, super sick, and they're soloing. It's super cool. And as soon as it gets to the part where they're about to sing about Jesus, the stage goes black, and they walked off. They walked off. And no one said a freaking word in the audience. Nothing. No one said anything. And I could cry now because that, if they're willing to do that publicly, what's going on in their heart? Where did they stray? When did they stray from the Bible? When did it become more important for them to be on the road than it was for them to be with loved ones who could build them up in Christ? When did they make that decision? And, and I'll give you a hint. They never said one morning, I'm just done. I'm over it. They never did that. It was a process. It took time. Scott mentioned last week, you pull a coal away from the fire, it's going to turn gray. And then eventually just burn out. And that is absolutely true. And it can happen to me. It could happen to me. It could happen to you. It could happen to anyone. And so um, I took it really personally for this sermon to just <coughs> let you guys know, especially since Easter's coming up, that's like the Christian, like, that's our victory weekend. Growing up, I hated that holiday because all I thought of was a hot sun hunting Easter eggs with nasty melted candy inside and maybe I'd get the one with the dollar and I'd have to pretend to be happy or my family would be like oh why are you so mad it's Easter like that's what Easter was to me until I realized Easter is like the pivotal time where we can really celebrate what Christ did for us so my question to you guys is it's layered like an onion like Shrek but it is is, is Jesus your, your greatest love or your greatest fear? What is your relationship to the word of God? If this is the only time you're getting it during the week or on Sunday when we watch the videos where Jesus is like an Italian guy, um, that's going to be terrible. And your faith is weak. And you're going to get slaughtered one day. And I, and I say that because I love you. And I was brokenhearted watching people who used to say Jesus' name with power and passion and love go completely cold, and turn the other way. It was depressing. And I don't want to see that in any of your guys' lives. And neither do your parents. Neither does ultimately God. So um, do we love Jesus or do we fear him and then pretend to love him so we don't feel awkward during worship songs? And what is our relationship to the word? Right now you guys are doing the third point. You guys are with fellow Christians that can edify you and lift you up. This is great. Don't stop coming to these. Please don't stop coming to these. If you can't come to these, go to Sunday. But try to make a point of it. Try to make a point of it to just stay with believers. And if you guys ever move on or you move the state or whatever, wherever you go, find a church that relies solely on Scripture and only says Jesus. That's it. So that's what inReach really is. It's, it's when we gather together, we build each other up solely in Christ, and everything is based on the Word of God, because apart from the Word of God, it will die. Um, Since it is Easter, uh, this is a really cool story, and then we'll pray. Um, Jesus, right before he gets betrayed, how many of you guys have heard that story, just so I can get an audience of hands raised? Sweet. Who knows the Garden of Gethsemane and what happened in there? Awesome. What happened? The 
that's where Jesus gets betrayed. Mm-hmm. And Judas comes up to him and kisses him on the cheek. Yeah. Who remembers what happens before Jesus gets betrayed? What's that? Um, does Jesus pray and ask God if there's any other way mm-hmm. that he can go besides the cross? Yeah. Absolutely. So Jesus is feeling super, super bummed, to put it lightly. Like, seriously, like that's like the worst time of his human life right there in that moment. Who else remembers what's going on simultaneously while Jesus is praying? Yes! His disciples are sleeping. Jesus is going through, like, my Dallas trip on steroids times a million. He's completely alone, and the only community he has, the only community he has is sleeping. They are asleep. Jesus did it, like, the hardest way possible. Jesus did everything we strive for in, in being Christ followers, he did it on absolutely hard mode. He fulfilled everything perfectly in the hardest way possible. He didn't even accept the, the pain meds of the, the dirty old wine on the cross. He did everything absolutely fully to the hardest level to make sure every single drop was fulfilled. And the whole time that he's praying, his disciples are sleeping. His disciples are sleeping. I love my buddy that I went on this trip with, but he did not care. We were just having fun, and that's all he cared about. And the whole time internally, I was like, oh, God, I'm all alone. I'm so scared. Jesus is so strong and so faithful that eventually he says, look, the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know you guys are tired. Just, just keep praying. <laughs> keep praying. I love you guys. That, that's the Jesus we worship. And we, we worship him because he loves us like that. He didn't get and kick him in the ribs and be like, wake up, I'm going to die, you idiots. That's not what he did. That's absolutely not what he did. He was strong because we are weak. And so if you guys all um, come to church and you might not have a personal relationship with Jesus, like that, that's a huge, important thing because um, the religious parents we don't get along with or the people that seem like hypocrites that we can't stand without a relationship with Jesus you're going to become just like him if you keep coming to church because coming to church it doesn't do anything unless you're in a relationship with Jesus it's how you hear the word it's how you come to faith please don't stop coming if you're not ready to make that step but don't think you're covered because you walk through the doors don't think you're covered because you drink the communion and and just don't. And if you have said that prayer and you're just struggling and you really meant it and you gave your heart to the Lord and you're just in a place where you're feeling cold like a coal pulled away from the fire, please tell someone or at least tell the Lord tonight as we're praying, as we're singing. You don't always need a leader for this, but please, we want to know because we want to pray for you so that we can edify you and lift you up and tell you where the enemy is lying to you and give you God's word to replace that. So, um, we're going to do two songs of worship. Um, if you need someone to pray with, Aaron is right there. And your Instagram name is RadSurfBabe, right? I don't Rebecca. Rebecca is right there. Um, yeah, all the leaders are here. And so if you, need, if you need any prayer or anything like that, pull one of us aside, please. I know that's awkward, and we don't really do that a lot here. But please pull one of us aside, at least sometime tonight, if not during the worship, whenever it is, but just be vulnerable to the Lord. God, thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Lord, that um, we can truly rely on you as our anchor, Lord. And part of that, God, is knowing that your word, 
Lord, is so powerful and so important. Um, it divides us, Lord. It reveals us. It shows us our true um, nature and qualities and lack thereof, Lord. And I pray, God, that we're just so vulnerable with you to reach out and really cry out for you, God. To, to know our need in you, Jesus, and to only be fulfilled by you, Lord. Not by false love or really good emotions or good intentions, God, from, from friends or family who aren't believers in you, Lord. I pray, God, that we're filled with your word, your love, and your spirit, Christ. Um, thank you for everything you've done. Amen.